welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Box with your host and CEO of Babelbox, Sherry Langberg. Sherry interviews the world's biggest brands, agencies, and influencers to uncover their influencer marketing secrets to success. Go behind the scenes and learn how you can make influencer marketing part of your social media playbook. Subscribe to Beyond the Box at podcast.babelbox.com. Listen to all of your favorite episodes and follow us on Instagram for more influencer marketing inspiration. In a world that is increasingly digitized, data storage, backups, hard disks, and cloud storage devices have become terms and language of necessity. Our guest today from Weston Digital is Heather Davis, who's going to share with us how influencer marketers not only need and use their products, but how Western Digital itself has embraced influencer marketing as part of their overall marketing process. Hi, Heather. Hi, how are you? We're good. We're good. Thanks for joining us today. Excited to dive into this topic. Great. I am as well. So I know you've been with Western Digital for more than a decade. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role with the company? Sure. I've, I've actually been, uh, been here for almost 13 years, so it's been quite a while, and I've seen the, the company grow and, and change and integrate with different brands. And I'm currently um, the lead and PR manager for our Client Plus division and gaming, as well as influencer marketing. But I've held many roles within the company, all under the product communications realm. But things have shifted over the years, and I've just been able to learn and grow. That's great. I know a lot has shifted in the world of PR. What do you think the biggest shift has been in public relations, public relations in your opinion? Well, on the tech side, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, you've got your traditional, different, traditional journalists, I guess you would say, um, and influencers have been a big part of that um, in their own right in terms of um, journalists. But what I've seen grow more than anything is kind of that shift from traditional journalism to everybody being a, a journalist or an editor, and whether it be a blog or an influencer or an analyst, um, and really seeing that shift move over to influencer marketing, but having a larger gray area and really trying to work with folks um, in terms of what does that governance mean? Um, when do you work with a journalist? And when would you work with a blogger? And when would you work with an, what would be considered an influencer? And what does that mean? Social media converging in between all of that has really been a key part of how influencer marketing has grown. Um, so for over the last years um, that I've been in this business, I've seen that shift just really fast. Yeah, I mean, because I feel like bloggers came on the scene like earlier in 2005, four, and then, then once you started with the Facebook and Twitter, it's a whole new game. Whole new game. Yeah. And it's exciting at the same time as being a little scary for big brands, right? Because you want to make sure that everything is, you know, is buttoned up and, and legalities are taken care of and all of these policies that, that the FTC has and, and making sure that we're, you know, hitting the right people because they're just, they're everywhere. And you can find an influencer in every category. And there's just so many people that are now experts in fields. And um, it's exciting, but you want to make sure you're being strategic and doing, doing it the right way. No, I get it. Where does influencer marketing fall within your organization? Like I know in some companies, it's on the digital side. I guess for you, is it more mostly driven on the PR side? Yeah, it's actually part of our product communications team. However, it's more of a, you know, in the States, in our headquarters division, we handle influencer marketing as a team. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a lead um, for influencer marketing as a whole from a global perspective and really trying to share and make best practices for our regional teams. 
so that they can go off and do what they need to do from an influencer marketing perspective. But having the governance and policies and really approaching influencers in a way that they're working with certain criteria and making sure that they're the right thing for the right verticals that they have. And mm-hmm. so it's my job to be able to converge everything globally together and really give our teams the tools to be able to move forward with programs. But it does fit within the product communications department at the headquarters perspective. But when you get to the regional level, it can shift. Yeah, it gets very granular and specific. When you say tools, you mean internal tools, but are you using any kind of, of the SaaS platforms out there or any tools that are, you know, kind of help with influencer onboarding and management? That's a great question. It really depends. So um, most of our tools that we have are internal um, Mm -hmm. and it's really kind of more of a manual process, which can get a little bit in the weeds. (laughs) Um, We have and are looking at different platforms right now um, to bring our global teams together so that we can look at onboarding a little bit more cleanly and have more direct KPIs. We do work with other tools like Babelbox and, and other tools that we can look at influencers as a whole in different key segments. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's extremely helpful, especially as you want to work with maybe a variety of influencers. Maybe you want to onboard 10 to 20. It's really important to work with companies like Babelbox and other like tap influence, up influence, just because it it does help streamline the process, as as well as the legalities that are behind those things. Mm-hmm. But when those are available or we have certain budgets we need to contend to and we have a manual process, we do have a criteria and a way of onboarding those folks um, internally. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that, you know, with the platforms, they're great, but you also need, it's a lot of handholding because you're dealing with hundreds of people. And so making sure the right guidelines are out there and everything. Right. Well, guidelines and messaging and you know, making sure that people are, you know, are followed up on, you're having briefings, that they understand the products, you know, that they're looking at. Those are all things that we have to consider. And to your point, that takes a lot of time. Um, there's a lot of effort that goes into there. It's not just picking up the phone and calling one person. You you do get a lot of no's. Um, you do get a lot of folks that are not within budgets that we have constrained, or they just don't want to meet some of the, the criteria that we have. And that's one of the things that is important for us is meeting like FTC guidelines. And, you know, there are folks that just um, want to be a little bit more organic in that, that way, in that direction, and that's fine. But we, we make sure that we've got a lot of those things that we need to cover. And sometimes there's a good fit and sometimes there's not. But there are hundreds of them, uh, thousands, mm-hmm. that we have to look into and making sure that they're the right fit for a very specific vertical too, right? So you have a lot of products. We have a lot of products on our roadmap. And you know, not one particular influencer is going to fit the entire portfolio. And so we need to make sure that, you know, we're, we're finding the right person. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess gaming could be a whole different ver- type of influencer than if you just, you know, it was the cloud storage device. So, and there's so many, you know, uses for your products that you could be hitting any kind of influencer at the end of the day, not just tech influencers. Oh, absolutely. Especially on the consumer side, we have a consumer business that really doesn't, really hits the mainstream consumer just like you know myself or my parents or anybody that that wants to store data whether it be photos and videos of your family um and you know to your point our our cloud storage product um or i think you're probably referring to ed you know or my cloud home those are great products for consumers and they're not going to necessarily go to a tech influencer to get that information they're going to go to a more consumer-driven platform. And so 
those are super important to us as well. So it really depends. That on the gaming side, you're going to get, you know, really hardcore gamers, but you're also going to get, you know, gamers that are just more, you know, casual gamers that aren't necessarily super techie. So we look at them on both sides. Do you, with the gamers, do you ever kind of look into Twitch and do any activations on Twitch? Oh, absolutely. We actually have a Twitch uh, program right now. It's been, we kicked it off last June. It's been really successful for us. We actually go through a company called Stream Elements. They are a fantastic company that really enables us to merge the platform itself with influencers that are streaming on that platform. Mm -hmm. Um, It allows us to overlay certain assets, affiliate links and really have that direct conversation with those viewers. It's been great. It's been super successful, but that's a platform that we actually have a full program that's around it. So that's one that I actually head up and it's a global program. So we're really bringing in influencers on Twitch, you know, pretty much around the globe or have global influence. That's great. Yeah. Twitch is like, I think the one, the channel that people are not talking about enough. So. Um, well, I agree. And it's and it's really getting to be a platform that is growing really fast. And what I love about Twitch is and, and their influencers is that they're super engaging and there's a lot of crosstalk. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of chatbots happening and there's a lot of conversation that we can understand consumers needs a little bit better. And that's why I love that platform. You know, it's Sometimes a little bit, I would say, I wouldn't say scary, but, you know, there's a lot of different conversations happening between young, young and old and, you know, traditional gamers versus hardcore gamers or people just really trying to understand or what they want to be an influencer themselves. So I love the conversations that happen on there because they're extremely dynamic. They're really fun to watch. The influencers that we work with have big personalities and are a lot of fun. And that makes it exciting for us. Yeah, they are. A lot of them are very funny characters, engaging and funny. But <laughs> um, I think it's a great channel and it's, it's, I'm glad that you're in it. What other, you know, are there any other kind of programs uh, on the influencer side that you've put in place that you just want to share with us? You know, on the, it, it's, it's interesting. We look at influencers across our product lines very differently. You know, consumer is very different to, than B2B. Mm-hmm. And when we look at like the business to business side, um, for example, on surveillance, um, which can sometimes be a really stodgy topic, but very passionate people are behind there in terms of from an influencer perspective. And so what I love about being able to work with different verticals is that their dynamics and how they talk to their consumers are, are very different. And so one of the things that we're working on is pulling together a program for surveillance products and and home security and smart video and working through some of those influencers is very different than the consumer side or even Twitch, for example. And so it, it gives us an opportunity to look at our customers a little differently. And that's what I love working with influencers across the board because it really changes the dynamic between every product line that we have. So when you talk about B2B, it is a whole different kind of category. Do you find that the influencers who cover B2B topics are they, is it harder to work with them? Because I would think what we experience is, you know, it's kind of like, it's a lot harder to find them to agree to do a campaign for a brand. Oh, absolutely. It's harder to find. There obviously are less of them, Mm -hmm. but I find that the ones that you do find in that space, and I would put analysts in in, in this mix as well, more, I would say, 
smaller analysts or smaller folks that are looking at the market that are more professional blogs and areas of interest that are a little bit different than your traditional consumer. And they are hard to get, right? Because they're, they're not necessarily doing this as their day job. And so to make headway in that, in that area, it, it takes a lot of handholding, a lot of understanding of where, you know, our customers are getting their information. And sometimes that's on somebody else's blog. It's on somebody else's uh, platform that may not be, you know, Instagram or Facebook, it could be a LinkedIn or mm-hmm. another professional blog space. And so those are a little bit different in how you handle those. But yeah, they, they take a little bit more time. But when you do get one that is very targeted, it's very rewarding because you know that those people that are watching that blog or reading their information are very savvy. And they're typically ones that really focus on that spot. And so we know we're hitting the right people in that sense. Yeah. And I think it's, it's almost like I feel like they're not even influencers. They're kind of like subject matter experts because many, most of them have jobs and they're just doing this yeah, because absolutely. They're, they're like an expert at what they do. But we did some of that. I don't know if you've ever worked with social media today. They have a lot of B2B influencers in their network, or at least they used to when we work with them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, the, the term influencer marketing can really run the gamut. You know, we look at them as you know, media can be influencers, analysts can be influencers, anybody that's influential in their role. But in, in terms of BDB, I would absolutely agree with you that they are typically like experts in their field. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about to global, global, global. So I'm Canadian. So um, what, okay. like, there are definitely like different regulations. I mean, we're now going to launch a CBD product for a client in the UK and the regulations, what do you see as like being different regulations, maybe if it's on the FTC side, like what, what are some of the unique opportunities in other countries and challenges that you see? Um, that's a great question. We had this discussion last night at the group, in fact, and you know, we're a US based company mm-hmm. and we have to abide by the FTC guidelines that are imposed upon us. Um, we feel like those are probably the most scrutinized at this point, you know, influencer marketing is such an, a new marketing tool and it's so gray in so many areas. Even when you look at some of the FTC guidelines, they still are gray. So you have to use some better judgment and best practices as a company and making sure that you're doing the right thing. And so as a company, we want to make sure that that is kind of the common denominator across all regions. Now, you're, we're going to have areas that have different rules and regulations. Most of them are a little bit more lax and don't necessarily need the requirements. So one of the struggles and the challenges that we have is making sure that even though a particular country may not have that as a requirement that we as a company have that as a requirement and making sure that we still abide by those FTC guidelines. So that's important and that could be a challenge, but it can also be a blessing because it it becomes an education opportunity for us to be able to, you know, talk to different, talk to different influencers in different regions and understand kind of what they're working with and what they're used to. Mm-hmm. And I understand too, like in some countries, I think someone mentioned recently in Australia, it's a fortune to get an influencer and then you go to another country and it's not as expensive at all. So I'm sure that kind of also like all the pricing and how much, you know, that comes into effect too. Oh, that's a huge issue. It's interesting that, you know, one of the things that, that I'm responsible for is educating our internal teams about influencer marketing and even the costs associated with that, that it's not free. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sometimes it's sometimes it's it's product, and you still have to disclose. And sometimes it's based on monetary funding, right? So, 
I think it's a, it's an eye opener for a lot of teams within the organization, um, as well as outside of the organization, on how much things do cost. And so, when I'll typically I'll do if they say what's your budget, and then we'll kind of go through and like, okay, you can probably get one person for that. And the eyes kind of you know get big and like, what? That person's that expensive? And you know, it's it's definitely an eye opening um, time and an opportunity for us to educate our teams on you know kind of this new discipline because it's it's not it's not free you know we we it could be a very expensive way of going about it and also can be very you know a, a great opportunity but it really depends there are different countries that have you know different ways that they go about it and those monetary amounts are completely different and it's hard to say which ones are are you know the best ways of going about it but you know we try and take our budget and really pull the best opportunities for that project rather than just you know, you know, blowing it on one particular person. Yeah. I mean, I'm also, I think it's best to have more because you get different pieces of content with a different voice, but I get the, you know, find one big influencer. Um, I think it just depends. How did you have, like, how are you looking at setting those rates for influencers? Like, do you have like, um, like this many followers, this level of engagement, the quality of their content or, you know, it's, um, we did this with Twitch and we pulled together a plan that we felt had different tiers. And so we marked them into like a bucket of tier one, tier twos, and tier threes. And that based upon what the subscribers or what the viewership looked like, we would put them in a bucket. Mm -hmm. um, it's harder to do that from a YouTube perspective or from an Instagram perspective because they just run the gamut. But with Twitch, we were able to do that. And at least in our own minds, be able to put them in categories and how we could work with them and um, what would make sense for the business. Mm -hmm. um, and that has seemed to work with us pretty well. When you do that, we also are, enable our teams worldwide to be able to share that information with them so that when they come to us with an opportunity or a recommendation that, that they would like us to look at, we can come back and say, oh, this is a tier one and it's going to cost what we think is X amount of dollars. And um, if you have that type of budget, we can, we can obviously look at it and pursue it. But we would, we would recommend you, you work in this particular tier. So we've done that internally. It can shift. It's a living document. And we're trying to do that with YouTube, but it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah, there's more moving parts with Instagram too. But that's really oh, absolutely. great that you've done that because I think we get those questions all the time. How do I know how much to pay them? And I have no idea. So, Well, it's also a good tool to, um, you know, it, when you look at blogs, for example, and you say you have 10 blogs and they can all be different amounts. And if it's, if it's a vertical though, and it's smaller in readership, but very targeted, that might mean more to to somebody than a larger blog that has a larger following that may or may not be appropriate for your business. So I wouldn't necessarily, from an influencer uh, guideline, always you know leave out the little guy because sometimes the little guys are really targeted, and that would be a perfect thing for your business. Amen. Um, you know, versus <laughs> a larger one that you may get lost in the shuffle, and so you really have to look at and really strategize on what makes sense to have that balance. And I think that's extremely important because I think a lot of companies get very caught up in the weeds of, I need to have this celebrity or this person and I want to pay X amount of dollars. And that may not be the best thing for that particular product strategy. That is brilliant, brilliant advice. Thank you. Yes. And I think that is too why now people are just looking at nano and they're talking about all the nano influencers. Not They're saying it's because of engagement, but the engagement is precisely because of what you just said, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. And then I guess, you know, how, when you talk about like, how does this all 
translate into like, are you looking at influencer marketing as an awareness play or is it, you know, what's your primary KPI? Is it sales? Is it awareness? Is it education? It's mostly awareness and education. However, a lot of influencers that we are starting to work with um, are pulling in some you know, affiliate links and mm-hmm. affiliate tools so that we can start to look at, are they bringing in folks into our website? You know, are we able to talk to them and educate them on the different types of products that we offer um, from a portfolio? So we are starting to, you know, pull some of those key things in, but mostly as an organization, the, the top part of our program is awareness. Yeah, we just actually, I was always against the whole affiliate play, not meaning that we couldn't give influencers a code, but we just actually, Babelox launched an affiliate platform too. So I don't think it necessarily is the sale. It's an after effect, but I do think it's important. Yeah. So my my last question is my guilty pleasure. So can you (laughs) name (laughs) name an influencer you love to follow, but hate to admit that you do? And if you can't answer the question, just name a few of your favorites and why. Okay. So interesting. Um, From a work perspective, you know, I'm, I'm really into this guy named Lamar Wilson. We just started to work with him and you know, there's something about somebody's humor that they can bring into the mix. And I find him extremely funny. I find him smart. He makes me laugh, but he's, he's very intellectual in how he does his videos. I love his, his enjoyment about what he does. And that, for me, is key. When you see somebody that really enjoys what they do, and they're not just doing it for the sake of the paycheck, it really comes out. And I love that. Mm-hmm. So that's one. From a personal perspective, I'm really into jujitsu. That's my, my guilty pleasure. I love watching a particular grappler named Gordon Ryan and Lucas Barbosa. Um, they're really great for inspiration. But I'm also a baker. Mm-hmm. I bake a bit cookies and I get sucked into um, watching a ton of uh, videos on and, and influencers, very you know influential cookie influencers um, and how they're, you know, creating these masterpieces on cookies. So those are, those are my two kind of personal guilty pleasures for watching influencers. That, I'm sure you're on Pinterest with the cookies a lot. It must lead you down a rabbit hole. You know, it's funny. I'm not on Pinterest. I use Instagram as more of my inspiration, but there are so many amazing artists that I love to, to watch. And you can look up and it's been an hour. Yeah. And you can lose time very fast. Yeah. The talent out there is amazing. Like I always say, like there's like a million Martha Stewart's. No one just ever knew about them now. Oh, exactly. And I love it because I can, I can learn from them and I'm learning these great things that, you know, just for a hobby, it's fantastic. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really Thanks for having me. great conversation. I really appreciate it. And we wish you the best of luck. Thanks. You too. Have a good, have a good day. You too. Bye. All right, bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Beyond the Box, produced by Tough Monkey Entertainment. Beyond the Box is brought to you by Babblebox with your host, Sherry Langbert. Visit podcast.babblebox.com for more episodes and influencer marketing secrets.